Do you remember the first time you thought about being a creative or do you remember the first time you held a camera and really got something out of it? I can remember the first time I got a camera. It was about six or seven. And I actually still have the uh, pictures from that first roll, all of which were, of course, terrible, but thrilled me beyond belief, okay? Including a very rudimentary selfie. But, <laughs> you know, I just liked it. My father had had a Polaroid before and used to, uh, you know, take pictures. And I don't know how that ended up with me getting you know, a little, like, film camera. But it was just, you know, a wonderful experience, you know, what was that experience like? If you could, like, um, memory recall, like, what, what, what is the feeling? Why did I love it so? And, yeah, uh, like, what, what is the feeling? You said thrill, but what feeling was love, uh, joy? Well, we're talking now, but yeah. you know, there's so many thoughts that you don't express verbally. Okay, and then particularly when you're six or seven, you know, the amount of thoughts that you can express compared to the amount of thoughts you cannot express, okay? The ratio must be a million to one. And right. even for yourself, if you try to process your own thoughts, you know, you don't even know. I mean, you're in a wonderful state of discovering all the time, okay? But all of those things flat pass by so fleeting, okay? And I mean, ironically, you remember them 20 years later. Okay. Right. So what's your what's your twenty years later recollection? Exactly. You know, you talk to a kid and they don't remember what happened an hour ago. (laughs) We'll remember it twenty years from now. And there was that feeling. So maybe that's the first time that process was ever arrested for me. Mm. Okay. So I look at oh, I remember that. You know, and it's like if you're asking me like that moment that you know all moments are special, but that moment is special. That moment became special in a different way for me. Because now I have photographic proof. Amen. Yeah. So what what's a 20-year recollection? If you're looking back at it, how would you describe it? That that photograph or that that day taking the picture? Yeah, that day taking the picture. I'll I'll flip it a little bit and say the reason why I continue to take pictures and love it now is because we all live with moments that we don't, you know, cherish. Okay, and that's the whole thing for photography for me. You know, when I look back, I mean, it's amazing. Is every shot great? Of course not. Okay, but they're just things that happen. And I mean, you're like, I'm so glad I preserved this moment. Yeah, that's amazing. I I have the same kind of recollection. I discovered photography at 12, and it was a magical moment. It was my uncle taking a picture of me boxing myself. He he did a double exposure. It was just like putting a piece of cardboard in front of (laughs) the left side. A car for on the right side did a double exposure. To me, it was like, wow, this yeah. is amazing. And this is yeah. what I ended up doing with my life, you know. So the those little it's the little moments sometimes that are just magical that you don't know they're gonna it had a gigantic impact on your life, it sounds exactly. Like that, and also like the word that we throw around a lot now, intention. Okay, because I didn't become serious about photography until I was like 14. But, you know, and then again, then it was like learning the dark rule. We had a got a 35 millimeter camera for my uh, 14th birthday because the summer before at uh, summer camp, we I had been introduced to uh, one of our counselors who was a photographer. Okay. And, you know, she just turned me on to the whole thing. And, you know, her, my friend had a camera, like a serious camera, and I didn't. And I just really wanted to uh, do it. And same thing there, like the first roll of pictures that I took, black and white, so that we could develop them quickly. 
One was like a row of three garbage cans in an alley. You know, my parents are looking at this picture like, oh no, we just spent this money. <laughs> no, what did she do? It was Is that picture good? No. Okay, but for me, it was it was like my first really serious approach to framing. Okay, when you're looking at tension. And so even though the picture isn't good, it was a very successful effort on my part. Okay, because then I said, okay, now I can refine this. Okay, now I see, okay, I should have been lower. Okay, like the, you know, the right, the angle was not the right one for this, you know, to really get the perspective that I wanted, I should have been lower down. Okay, and just all of these things. And then back then, of course, you know, if you're dealing with film, you can't immediately adjust. I mean, now with digital, you look and you say, mm, okay, I have to adjust this way. You know, you can do it at an instant. But the fact that, you know, you had to be more disciplined then, in a lot of ways, I just find it to be great training. Okay, because, you know, you have to live with your mistake for months, if not years, as opposed to live with your mistake for a second. You know, Easily corrected. As, a, as, a, as someone who works as a design professional primarily, I'm starting to realize, you know, you guys are talking about this and I don't share the eye, the Oculus, whatever that framing device. But what I do, <clears throat> I do it differently. Especially I was thinking, well, what role does photography play in my life? Those are, it's windows in my environments. You know what I mean? It's very exactly. It's their windows exactly. for me. Whereas you guys are actually window makers. Like I, I think of it as, um, oh, do I want to make a wall more massive? than it is because here's this intimate moment or do I want, or exactly. is the expansive thing? So it was interesting to just hear you talking about, should I go up, should I go down? But, Perspective, but for, you know? No, but for you, I mean, you know, part of the wonderful part of this uh, interview for me is becoming familiar with your work, which I wasn't familiar with before, shame on me. But <laughs> for you, I would look at it as vignettes. Okay, yes. you definitely deal with perspective. Okay, and in terms of like how people interact with the furniture placement, okay, but even like how somebody's eye is going to travel around that space. A hundred percent. I noticed well, well, and, like and elegant lady, furniture, sculptural elements. Sees it in a very interesting way too. We talked about it the other day. He doesn't. He sees it in flat panels as opposed to diagonals. For perspectively, yeah, I'm. I'm always thinking about each frame and how I'm going to create connected frames. So it's very interesting. And one of the things that really bothers me now, not bothers me, but I can, I see what, when we're traveling through our, our 3D models, I kind of have to sometimes look away and, and still ask them to take a series of pictures. So I, I'm still creating pictures because I, you know, I'm, I'm not a digital error child. You know, exactly. I'm, I'm, you know, so I mean, to, to it's, it's all co it's all coalescing, guys. It's all coalescing like our it, 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 I think it shows our generation and the way we actually look at look at the world. Yeah. Also, perspective so gonna... has got to be tough looking at those 3D models. It is. It, 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 it challenges me personally because it's moving too fast for me to tell a story. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is like, I'm always, in a lot of ways, we're trained as design professionals to think about the photography. 
when we're creating our space. You know what I mean? So we're like, you know, and we also do the same thing with the grid in, in classical design and architecture composition. What is that wall look? And there's never one time that you naturally observe that composition exactly the way I've arranged it in my head, but at least the foundation is there. Well, I'm going to take a quick moment. We're going to introduce Kathleen Campbell here, who is a photographer, a filmmaker, storyteller, and even has a, a YouTube is a YouTube channel. Yes, yes. Website, Drama, Drama Mama it? News. Yes. Drama Mama News. <laughs> yes. Which I watched. So Satirical news episode. show from a black woman's perspective. <laughs> it was pretty. It was good. I saw. I saw like half the Thank episode you. the other day. Yes. I have to check it out. I have to be honest. I have not gotten to uh, Drama Mama News as yet. Sure. Yeah, please, the, but I'll, the twist I'll is. To it. Yeah, most satirical news shows have the exact same format as a regular news show, which is an anchor person sitting at a desk with a few fleeting images that play in the background, whereas mine is visuals first. Okay. So, and what kind of, what are you covering? Satirical black. Well, I did what, what, how did you describe it? Break down that, 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 brand, that, that elevator pitch again. What did you call it? A. Satir satirical news show yes from a black woman's point of view or black woman's point of view yeah no well, we didn't. what's the black woman's point of view in the, in, the, in the show well you know global warming we don't mind going to another planet okay and that i mean i got breathtaking footage from nasa you should see but it's very funny but i mean there's stuff like i show the inside of the space capsule and someone goes move over okay because i say you know here's a we have to find a new planet for eight billion people and the spaceships only fit eight people comfortably at a time which is what it is like those you know elon musk so that's they're you know crammed into the corner that you see like the person flying off but that i just you know that i did economic wage inequality and these are real <laughs> figures now i mean right. you know you can curious yeah, no, it was real good. Is that what you cover in your photography also? Yeah, exactly. I used a lot of my photographs for that. But, you know. So what are you trying, what are you expressing in your photographs? We, Lane and I both looked at your portraits and they're great. And No, thank you. And we, I was, what is, what are you, when you pick someone or you're photographing someone, what are you expressing in the photograph? Sure. I can't remember the, the lyrics from that great uh, song from Rent. What is it? Um, how many, the minutes, how many minutes, you know, what I'm, the song I'm talking about? Sure. So many things just literally pass us by. I mean, if you were truly aware of how many great moments there are, you have a different view of life. It's general. I mean, like the, the latest thing I posted to my Instagram, I was having like a terrible day. Do you understand? <laughs> really? All right. One of these days, you were like, you know, why, for God's sake? You know what I mean? Like, it was sure. everything so frustrating. You know, you name it. Whether it's, you know, Someone, the paycheck will be a little bit delayed. Is that okay? Well, no, not really. But to maintain the relationship, you have, oh, no problem. You know what I'm saying? Just like, right, no. Right. But now you're on the train. Of course, the train pulls out when you come in. Just, you know, just a little bit, a lot of things piling up. So I'm like, you were being all tested. I want to do. You were being tested. Being tested. That's like, right. all I want to do is go home, forget the day. Right. Right. So I come back, I'm walking, you know, down the street, off the train, turn on to my uh, block. And I mean, there's the most magnificent sunset you've ever seen in your life. Wow. 
Okay, I'm walking on the other side of the street for once because I'm actually about to do another project in my neighborhood. So I'm like scoping it out in a way that I wouldn't normally. Okay, to say that you've lived someplace decades and literally have been on that side of the street 10 times might sound weird, but you know, maybe you understand. But I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. Okay, I mean, like this tree is framing the view. On one side, you have like these brownstones bathed in golden light. Okay, and that's what the project is about. Some of them are about to be torn down. Okay, the other side of the building, you know, building, which is like, you know, old pre-war, it's on a hill, so that you're going down the perspective, just going down, and at the end of, you know, at the end of the bottom of the hill is a park, there's like an explosion of color. Okay, I'm like, oh my God, I have to put down my stuff and, you know, take a picture, but it's just that moment, and you just, you say, like, it's that impulse. Okay, mm -hmm. and you're looking at other things, I and mean, then I could show you, I love, when you're saying the portraits, I do a lot of street photography not studio photography so that you're looking at me and i'm encountering absolute strangers coming up i'm not like the most outgoing gregarious person you know let me jump into your life but what i have to convey to these people is you are amazing okay please let me try to capture that right. okay and give that back and obviously a lot of the people that i uh, photograph are black and this is the exact opposite message that they get Right. Okay. So it's like, you know, and then you go, right? This look at So you feel like you're doing empowering sort of pictures. Empowering. And it's like, you know, I'm empowered too. And the whole point is, you know, trying to, to capture humanity in a way that, you know, allows other people to experience the humanity. Because you'll see there are a lot of so called tough guys in my photographs. And, you know, the thing is that you'll be most shocked by is like, you know, the absolute look of vulnerability because mm. I'm approaching people. I mean, I, I, you know, I have some images that I've stolen. All right. So I'm not going to say that I don't I'm saying like you take a picture of someone and they're not aware of you taking a picture of, which in general, take a dim view of, but I understand that sometimes opportunities just arise, but I'm approaching these people. I'm like being very honest about the fact I'm going to take their picture. Right. They're, they're telling me how they want to be seen. Okay. And I mean, like, these are some people are like, you know, stone cold, you know, like real gangsters for stay, real. Like, stay away. Exactly. Like, Their whole vibe away. is stay away. Right. Right. And it's one on one, me taking their picture, and they will have the most vulnerable look on their face. It's, you know, it's literally breathtaking to be on the other side of the camera. Wow. Well, you're, you're also a part, I would have to say, you're also a part of that photo photographic process. You're disarming. Exactly. You are disarming. Exactly. I think a lot of that, you know, it would depend on who came and who asked exactly. that person to uh, to exactly. have, have their take their picture taken, right? Exactly. And you know, that and that's how I present too. I want to be vulnerable because otherwise you have to be an absolute fool to walk up to somebody by yourself with an expensive camera. Right. Say, I'm not gonna inquire into criminal past however <laughs> you that vibe you give it off you know what i'm saying it's like not exactly uh the linkedin profile you would want to project so but you know and just say here it is and why am i doing it because i'm a photographer all right because also on the street they might know artists certainly more in new york than south side of chicago where i'm from and have also done the series you know artists are few and far between on the south side of chicago they can make a living by their art. They can right. have it as a hobby. 
and you know, something that they don't really share that much. But it's like to say, I want to do this because I think there's some value in creating something. Yeah. I have to have a value question, which is, where, have you always been a photographer? Have you always made your living as a photographer? No, and actually, you know, I freelance and like also film production. I'm more likely to make money with film, you know, up until but, the pandemic. But you make it in a creative field in general. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is an amazing thing to do. It's an amazing well, exactly. feat. What, what would you tell to younger artists who are, you know, from the South Side of Chicago? Well, I would tell them actually not to do it the way I did. <laughs> I would say, you know, get your money tight so that you have more artistic freedom. Right. Because you can spend a whole lot of time and a whole lot of energy either, you know, pursuing somebody else's dream and they can be very mercenary about it or just, you know, struggling more than you have to. So, so much so that the struggle itself becomes a distraction. Right, right. All right? right. But if, if you would, if I had to tell people on the south side of Chicago or anywhere else for that matter, I would say, look and listen, okay? Because what you're going to find out, I don't care what kind of institution of higher learning you go to, the most beautiful shock of your life is going to be how rich the culture you have is, despite the fact that it's not really valued all that much in many places. And that's going to be your greatest strength that you draw from. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think you're talking about vulnerability again in a lot of ways. Vulnerability and everything. I mean, like when I write, I, you know, this is like my desk used to be our dining room table. Okay. From uh, my mother. That was the other thing. When I was looking at your work, a uh, lady, in terms of like the whole sculptural approach that you had, my mother was all into mid century modern <laughs> Swedish Scandinavian furniture. <laughs> to understand, like, you know. <laughs> I like it too, and I, like I do feel at home there. Like how that all developed was before I was born. Right. But essentially, you know, well, we had I, great. She had great dinner parties. Okay, nice. where I learned the art of conversation. Okay, even as a kid, even if I wasn't even like at that table until I grew up to be old enough to be <laughs> at the adults' table. Right. Okay. What you're seeing is just how vivacious the conversation was. Okay, how seriously people took that particular moment they're like what well, we're talking about the word i would use is elevate okay i'm like how they elevated that moment through conversation okay like you know corny words you would use conviviality you know what i mean but it's right. like, it was and, like and, and you know I, I i love that that you that you clocked that because i think that you know they we i'm i'm i'm, I'm trying to create stages for people to have narratives on top of you know and I mean, you, some people might call it mid-century modern. Some might call it eclectic. But ultimately, I've I've started to tell um, Ed about um, about creating um, visual, like physical portraits, spatial portraits of people. Um, you know, that's something that I can relate. I can tie back to my connection with Ed in doing this work that we're doing together. Um, Ed, what 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 about you and? Um, yeah. I mean, you're an architectural photographer. I mean, a lot of the things that that Kathleen was talking about. I specifically talked about you when she was talking about the brownstone, golden uh, uh, ray of light, the perspective down the hill. Now that's not your photo photograph necessarily, but your your that's your eye. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's always 
Yeah, looking at the portrait of a building, looking at, I mean, I do a lot of view. It's amazing that people still hire me with so much Instagram. They'll hire me to do a view book of their building, you know, or or diff, just different things about the building. And so it's not only photographing the building, because the one thing I find developers have is, is sometimes when I work for developers, they are very out of the box. They're very creative in a lot of ways of what they would like to achieve. They don't always want to achieve what an architect. So work for an architect, they want to look a certain way that really shows off their work. That's not always the case with, you know, somebody who's in development or, or, or marketing, but I want to get back real quickly. I don't, I'll talk about that other thing. We were talking about thriving versus, uh, I mean, Kathleen was really talking about thriving versus surviving. Right. And I, I also want to get back to it as well. Sorry, sorry for that little segue, but I just, I, oh, no, I, and I would like to jump in with two things too. One, when you're talking about doing portraits, even though I sent you portraits and you can see them, I look, every, everything is a portrait. A hundred percent. Photograph that I just described with a block. It's, it's a portrait. Yeah. Okay? Viewers support. Yeah. Everything. Exactly. And if you don't approach it that way, it's never going to come to life as a, as a, as an object after the fact. I think that's a really important thing for an, a creative to share. Like, I think we hit the nugget right there in our conversation in terms of everything is a portrait. Everything um, yeah. is a portrait. And, you know, it also places humanity at the core of yeah. trying to, you know, communicate human to human. But I did have a comment about your photography because I was looking at it and it was just like, you know, there's also like, you know, realism in the academic setting. They always talk about, you know, realism is you know, an affectation that's false. But right. anyone who's really dedicated to realism, there's so much I idealism that goes through that. And there's so much idealism in your photographs, all right? I mean, this is really a shining right. city on the hill. You're seeing, <laughs> you know, your buildings and the, you know, the panorama, the skyline at its best, okay? And there's a part of all of us, no matter, I don't care if we're walking down, like, you know, the most rundown part of the city. There's a part of people who love New York, that literally we see something on that. You know what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. Yeah. You, you actually hit it on the head. I go for the way your eye sees it as opposed to the way it needs to be represented or the way someone else sees it represented. I like photographing to how the eye sees it because the eye is such an amazing thing. Is And that if you do that, I think it's, you know, it'll shock people a little that you can photograph the way your eye sees it and have it be, really great at times, you know? And, and also, so, I mean, aren't realists idealists? Yeah, uh, I am an idealist, yes. Right? I, I mean, most, I, I mean, you, I would you say have got, You have nailed me so well. I, I have way too much optimism, probably because I was born on March <laughs> okay, 20th. The first, uh, I was born the first day of spring on March 20th. I'm left-handed, so I always felt like I was set apart. And as a left-hander, I just felt like, life was going to be different. I, I, you know, people <laughs> talk about, you know, how do they identify? They can identify as Jewish or black. I identify myself as a left-hander first. Oh. And, and, but you, you looked at myself and really understood. Not many people have just said it exactly how I would say it. So thank you. You know, no, for a look. I love it. Right? Especially the panoramics are just an extension. The reason I love panoramics, they're they're about storytelling of the space. Exactly, and just, exactly. And I, I'm doing a whole thing, a whole book of panoramics, just to 
that I think will be, you know, hopefully people see while I'm alive, but I think it'll have a lot of value. I think the panoramic is like the closest thing that we have to like a spiritual note taking. I think panoramics are like that eye from way beyond, like way above us too. Like, well, all my photos, real like quickly, taps into like that spiritual realm. All my photographs represent two things. The Kodak Colorama that used to be on Grand Central. <laughs> I mean, that's really where, that's where I got the idea for I yeah. love that. That's, you know, that fed me. And the other thing I, you know, when I was 16, 17, I just went around imitating Gordon Parks. Well, right. Gordon you know? Parks and others, yes. Yeah, and I just imitated it. I just said, oh, there's a woman in a window in a plant store with Coley's next to him. I would find that window, you know. <laughs> and and try to just sort of imitate it and uh and you know pictures of puddles so yeah so a lot of my work was just like learn from my mentors which was co you know the colorama at panoramic and yeah. gordon parks yeah. who i actually met later in life just happened to walk met down him too, yes and i met him with his daughters and it was like mm -hmm. oh they invited me to sit down with them because i actually walked up to gordon parks and said you are the reason I became a photographer. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, my first photography book was Shadow uh, Whispers of Intimate Things, which was Gordon Parks' book. And I just went around photographing those old Gordon Parks pictures. Anyway. Amazing. But I want to double back, actually, to something that Layton said. You're talking about spiritual. See, I mean, there's a whole, whole spiritual quality to all creativity, I find. But when you're talking about the panoramas, panoramas it's not just spiritual that I would put it, there's a spiritual narrative. Yes. Okay. Because I've looked, you know, there are a lot of images that don't necessarily have a narrative or a recognizable, easily, easily recognizable narrative. All right. Because when you, you list the professor and you say, oh, she's a photographer, she's a filmmaker, she's this, you know, she edits. I was look, it's one profession with various stages. It's storytelling. Okay. And it's like an individual image can tell a story. You can make a story, you know, literally like a narrative film has a story. But when you're looking, it's like individual buildings, you might tell it in one sense. But if you put, you know, the way you group the buildings, then that becomes a narrative. That becomes, you know, something that you can communicate to somebody in a way. Because to really, you know, how much time do you really have to communicate these ideas? When you're in a long-term intimate relationship with somebody, fine. But most of the time, the spectators who are looking at your work, they have I mean, a couple seconds to, to 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 take it in, <laughs> and hopefully, you can change their mind in that in that in that second. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you presented, you know, conveyed a coherent message, you know, by your aesthetic approach, then you have a much better chance of communicating <laughs> with them and opening the door to whatever else you want to communicate with them about. I, I get a whole bunch of questions are popping off in, or, or, or statements also, because you were talking about um, what you would say to the younger person is the, the, the place where you're at, where you're from, is ultimately has the greatest trove of, Unbelievable. of, 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 of you know, that's, that's so powerful. I, I don't, you know, I don't know why we all run away. I, I mean, I ran away. I don't want to speak for anybody else. I ran away you know, um, and to, to, to recognize that now in my fifties, you know, damn it. I could have had much yep. more, no, yep. uh, you know, like roti skins and Nostrand Avenue yeah, and, okay. and, okay. and, and curry yes, and, yes. Korean, and Korean yes. delis, yep. you know, and just, and, and fresh ginger and watermelon. Exactly. You know? Like I, I, it, it was, it all, it took me 
going to Parsons and the new school and and becoming yeah. grandiose. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's it's so true. But we we but maybe that's a, maybe that is the hero's journey. Maybe you have to reject where you're from in order for yep. you to find yeah. the value in it to on the on the way back home. You know, I can tell it. You know, when I was a child, my mother was a teacher. She you know, did other things later on as career opportunities opened up for women. But the first place I went to nursery school was an all black nursery school. All right, um, you know, just a little independent place where you know the teachers were strict and. But great place to learn. But then I went to a predominantly white private school. And the first thing that happened when I went to that school is because of those black women, I skipped a grade. Okay. I skipped <laughs> first grade. You understand? I mean, like, this is like to tell you. And so part of me already knew, you know, you can't give me that, that lesson of inferiority because right. look at this. And they took me out of the hall, like they were teaching the kids how to read, you know, these like dreadful books okay you know like spot get the ball or i'll kill you you know what i'm saying it's like they're like torching over these syllables okay so they take me out in the hall to see how many grades ahead i could read but then wow. you go you start to internalize other things okay and then for high school i went to like even like a even more you know high tone college prep school okay and but by that point you know, how did it happen? I don't know. But by that point, I had split off in my mind. There was this culture of the South Side of Chicago, which I indeed loved. Okay. But I thought that serious academics were this, you know, the white European Eurocentric model. Right. That, you know, I was being given and I was being told, yes, college preparatory, that was strictly a white curriculum. There were, you know, I think 22 of us in the, you know, school. Black students, but I was in French. My mother used to teach French, so I had like an awareness of it, and I have roots in uh, Louisiana, so it was like some awareness just of French in general. We didn't speak it at home, other than when you know mothers feeling particularly pretentious. But it was like I was aware, but you know I didn't really speak it. So here we are in French class, and they're going through tenses, you know, right? And there's I, I can't I think there were two black people in the class, me and the other. Girl who's just as lost as all the white students are in the class, they're all lost as we got to the tense, pluca parfait, which is like an interior past tense. Okay, and it's always confusing when they name the tenses because that's not how we learn English, right? So that's one of the reasons people are like, what? All right, so the teacher is like explaining it over and over again and getting increasingly frustrated that nobody's getting this tense. Okay, so once she's explaining, I said to myself, that's been done gone. Do you understand? That's literally what she's saying. J'ai fait quelque chose. Okay, it's like that's been done gone. Okay, and I'm thinking like that's exactly the kind of English my mother would never have allowed us to speak. You know I mean, like, I grew up with standard English. Okay, and I was like, don't tell me this tense exists in another language. It does. Okay, all of a sudden I'm like, what? Okay, so I like raise my hand. Okay, uh, they don't want to hear from me, of course. I'm, I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna flip it around. I could get it, and she she tried all these variations, and I kept thinking to myself, "Been done, gone." So of course I could get them, but for me that was the moment of revelation on that level. Okay, I mean that there've been others. Same thing, music. We were taught the only music I used to go to the symphony because we get like five dollar tickets, and then you realize 
you grew up during the era of some of the best pop music ever created. Ever. Right. So what I'm hearing a little, Kathleen, is your mom had a big influence on you. For the arts, absolutely. Yeah, so tell us about that a little. How did she, she encourage well, you? Absolutely. I mean, she grew up wanting to be a, a concert pianist, classical concert pianist. And when she got to college, they said, by the way, my dear, this will not happen. So she came home at the end of the semester, says, I never want to play the piano again. And she really oh, didn't for decades until so just a little bit before she died. Okay, because it was just like such a painful memory. Trauma. It's a trauma. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, in terms of, of faith in the arts, backdoor, because she certainly introduced me like the whole painting scene. We used to do, uh, I knew black painters growing up and you know, mostly painters actually. But um, just creative people, that that was a creative outlook and just how more interesting these people were. Come on now. Yeah, <laughs> they, so she really encouraged they, you to and helped you get to where you are now. I'm sorry? She she really encouraged you and helped Absolutely. you get to where you are now. Oh, yeah, she loved cool. my photographs. I mean, oh, I, I, I would have loved your mother. Garbage cans, but, you know, she saw some promise there. I would have traded moms there. So the... <laughs> and, and because of her, I met photographers. Because at the Southside Community Arts Center, they had the uh, photographers from Ebony and Jet who were there. Okay. And even though they were photojournalists, they were also artists. Right. And so that kind of merging that happens in my own work of using photojournalistic skills to try to do something to trying to elevate into art, that was absolutely grounded there. As you would see, I mean, they had to take pictures for a job and just actually document some things. But then you would see, well, how, why did they select this image to exhibit? Like, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. When I think about it now, just thinking about photojournalism in the classical sense of those beautiful photographs that really came out of the 70s, 60s, 70s, 50s, I don't know. Educate me. I don't want to make a big generalization. I, with all the the amount of Instagram images of in, of events taken on iPhones, would you would you consider photojournalism to be a thing that you could actually hold on to? Oh, right absolutely, now? absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All and right. you know, you talk about an undiscovered trove of images. Yeah. Okay, because I mean, they had the whole. Um, concentration, you know, the attention that was brought to when the Ebony Jet archives were sold and they were saved and preserved in sure. one place, just, you know, miraculous and, you know, thank God. But, I mean, you talk about a thousand PhDs if you should want to do that, but the images should not just be locked away in an archive. They're amazing. Oh, no, I guess, no, I, I know that there exist oh, yeah. images in the past, I'm thinking, I'm a, all of a sudden I thought of the Ukraine war and I was just wondering, I don't know if I know an image that like does the same thing for me as like a, an image of someone in Vietnam, maybe. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if I have that connective tissue, like what, what images are being taken of that event that's happening now that are, sure. really, you know saying. what I mean? You know sure. what I mean? That are holding me to this moment. Um, I would take it a couple. Almost, it's almost so noisy. Sure, exactly. What I can say. That's that's what I can say. There are a couple of things going on. One, yeah. if you say you know Ukraine war, part of the only reason why we have any 
empathy on some level is because of the images. But we're, we're we are indeed desensitized to the images because exactly. just even even forty years removed from those images in Vietnam, they're disturbing. You know, why is this naked girl running down the road, for God's sake? You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Yeah. Her clothes were burned off. And we're like, what? Like, you know, how is this man shooting this guy in the head? Right. You know, because he's a suspected spy. You know, these are like, they leave you emotionally raw. Right. Okay. So that, you know, even if you, you there's a party that's going to throw your guard up before you see anything, any war, you say, you see this image. I think, yeah, I think those were Eddie Adams images, right? I'm and sorry? I think the photographer on that was Eddie Adams, who I met, and he... Of he, the Ukraine war? No, no, the Vietnam war, Vietnam. the girl running oh, down, oh, yeah. you know. And later in life, he, you know, he also took the picture of the guy that yes. the general assassinated. Exactly. You know, and... Eddie Adams took that picture, created a lot of half problems for that general who took mm -hmm. that, who did that. And they did an interview together because he ended, the guy ended up um, settling in California, that general, you know, when mm -hmm. they all had to escape. And he said, what would you have done? I was, probably would have killed him if I knew there was going to create some <laughs> havoc, you know? Yeah. But it's also like all of those moments, like we're bombarded with images. That's part of the other reason that, you know, Ukraine has to fight through so many images that we see, you know, that it's, and also now we're in such a state of overwhelm. Yes. Like, you know, it's, the, the war also comes along at a time when, you know, people feel like overwhelmed by COVID, by coming out of COVID. There were just so many things going on, at least, you know, globally. I mean, like a 700, pandemic. 700 photographs a second. Right. Exactly. Yeah, let's stick with you the know? creative, the creative desensitivity, as opposed to yeah. like all the other stuff we could talk yeah. about. Um, what's your what's your feeling on? I mean, I I don't look at a lot of stuff anymore because it just takes away from how I feel about stuff. And I, you know, I tend not to look at a lot of Instagram. I tend not to look at a lot yeah. of images just because it totally messes me up. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, yeah. It desensitized me, and I see people take these photographs um, that are um, amazing. But all they're ever going for is amazing at this point. They're not exactly, going for no. like subtle yeah. and you know art, and it's just like let's do amazing, you know. No, no, you, you know. Let, well, let's let's talk about this. What what? How do you feel about liking? Uh, this is what this is. Bu this bugs me <laughs> to the core. Like like we don't. There's no other button besides like. Well. <laughs> you know, right? There's no, no other button, and like has a heart. It's not even like light yeah. the diamond. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like light has a heart. Like that means love. Like yeah. right, you're right. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I think ironically, the whole desensitization of photography, you know, our 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 feeling how we feel desensitized because of the just onslaught of images, is also undermined in a way not to the extent it should be but by everybody in the world having a camera almost right okay and that you know I, I see people all the time taking pictures and you know you see it and you're thinking like and I always try to see well what is that person taking a picture of and you, you know the picture is going to be terrible but what the thing is what you're celebrating is the fact that they think that they need to take a picture of that 
right going back to like our special moments like an elevated moment above all you right know? it always has to be elevated as opposed to just exactly uh, that's the good part of this that's the, the bad that part we're deter- like, you know we're setting our we're setting down our fists that it there are elevated moments and there are non-elevated moments i love that Right. And, I but, mean, yeah, think, I, I think of all they, the things that I don't photograph anymore exactly, because yeah. they're just like, you know, do I want to take a picture, a cool picture of the Statue of Liberty? No, like 10 million people are doing it. And it's always the moon over here. And, I, you know, <laughs> and and I did take one of the I was in a I was in a rowboat a few years ago and I got a good shot of something I like because I was able to photograph. The other rowboat. We were. We thought we were going to die. We were. Well, I wanted the rowboat so I could get really low down, and I had this. Guy, and it ended up having a little motor, but it was like freaky to be in, you know. But yeah, all the things like I can't like the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, I can just name exactly. I know. D- Dumbo, exactly. But the other problem, the flip side of the good part is when people aren't even interested in experiencing something live, and, and especially fully live, they just want a picture of it. Okay, and it's like you know you see them, especially you know, down um, like the the area downtown. I know it's like it's the F train stop to York Street. When you get out and you can see like that statue, Dumbo, the Dumbo, Empire State Dumbo, Building, Dumbo. Exactly, Dumbo. Exactly, but the Empire State Building framed by the bridge. Oh my God! Yeah, the frenzy yeah. over there. Did I stand there someplace else? I mean, like it's just nuts. <laughs> right, but. I see. Oh my is, God! This, this is, is like aesthetic. It's like aesthetic vomit. I love it. Like we're just right. saying, you know what, guys? No, your touristic photograph will not cut it anymore. But I gotta Are tell you, there's such a great opportunity in there to do something different. Exactly. And the other thing, like before, it became such a tourist trap. When the neighborhood, when you would be terrified if the sun went down, to to look at that, it, you know, to come upon it was like, wow. Right. Listen, okay, that's know. exactly what, what's missing. But yeah. There's a kid in my neighborhood who has 60,000, you know, he's a photographer, followers. but he's, he's got 60,000 followers and he takes exactly the picture of playing. He's really good, but he can't even make a living at it. But I know yeah. if he really got out of that Instagram-like thing, he this kid is really, really talented. He could take that whole thing and turn it around into something different. But, and my philosophy, and I said this to a kid in Central Park, I said, you know, you know, everybody's taking a picture of Flacco, the, the owl that was seen in Central <laughs> <Yeah>. Park. So <laughs> I have a picture of, there were a million dollars worth of lenses aimed at Flacco, right? And I'm like, oh man. And my philosophy is everybody, I said, you know, what am I gonna do, take a picture of Flacco? No. I turned the other way, exactly. and all of a sudden I saw these beautiful, I, I started exactly. a whole series of tree portraits. Ed, 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 hashtag Flacco. Ed, <laughs> Ed, Ed, exactly. Ed, hashtag exactly. turn away from Flacco. Yeah, turn away from Flacco and see what else is there. That's the, that's the real opportunity. No, but, 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 but um, what is that? Um, uh, group think, we are in an yeah. era exactly. of group think hardcore. Yes. Based oh. on terror, exactly, because people <laughs> felt terrorized, and they're looking for certainty and surety. Yeah, that, you know, and they don't. You may not find for quite some time. And if you're not, and, and if you're not liked alongside with the algorithm that also says that you'll be liked, I mean, it's very. 
I think for a, a young creative to burst through that noisiness, it would, I think it's a, it's an extra task. That I did not have. Exactly. But I would yeah. say like something you just said, Ed, in terms of uh, Instagram, the images, like, you know, they kind of like over-idealized, over-processed images of, you know, like deracinated would be the word, like any, anything, any flattening you sense, but I would actually add TikTok in there for the mm -hmm. kind of lies, particularly like the teenagers, what you're talking about, Layden. I mean, like the, the kind of lies that people try to project that they have, and also Facebook. They, you know, even though their pictures, Ed, have an idealized view of the city, I didn't get the idea that they're trying to like impose something that's not there. Okay, yeah. the difference between, you know what I mean? Like, you put it in such a narrow way like you know a lot of these instagram images are trying to like like there's nothing on the other side of the frame i, mean, I would have a hard time explaining i mean like no, I, I totally world that nothing no one lives like that no one lives uh, like and, that and, and then the kids have horrible self-esteem problems okay oh, but they're just thinking like you know it's don't. a competition yeah. who's got the most airbrushed life and all well, they care about is the lifestyle me, I mean, making a, they're not interested in making a lifestyle out of it. But I'm not going to judge them right now. I'm going to talk I, about I mean, I mean, I think it's okay for us to go down this a little, I mean, to just touch it a little bit. I mean, yeah. I think it's a I think it's an emotional place. I think it's a, like, you know, um Kathy was talking about humanity. How is humanity participating actively or passively with that question of like how does like participating in taking photography making me feel as a person you know and um i always i've gotten so bad at it now where it's like i have not taken i have not posted in three weeks i got so fed up of the hunger that i was starting to feel for a like I was so disgusted by my own self-hunger. I just said, you know what? I am not posting a effing thing. I can't do this to myself. And I won't post this week because I'm a professional and I need it for my business. But at the yeah. same time, I was actually disgusted by myself. Right. Yeah. You no, know I I mean? that. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, I only got 400 likes. How dare they? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And we, listen, we're all forced onto the platforms because the only reason I'm back on Instagram is really is to do mad creative. You know, uh, you know, I want people to see this. So, so we're sort of stuck in a conundrum of you know disliking it but having to use it also. Disliking the liking. Disliking the yeah. I don't really care. Well, you know. I don't use social media nearly enough, but lately I've been using my Instagram just for fun stuff that I come across. I mean, like. Last weekend, out in the rain, had to run errands, not happy. You know, figured, well, let me oh, take a so bus this... for a few, you know, few blocks and then get on the bus. And I noticed a guy, he's all dressed head to toe in Louis Vuitton. I'm thinking, that's kind of an interesting look. I and mean, even like a, a briefcase, to make a long story short, there's a Sikh parade. So they detour the bus. Then they decide we should be thrown off the bus. So now my whole bus detour has become a nightmare. And no, while we're uh... waiting for the new bus to come, this man puts on a a panda head. Do you wow. The Louis Vuitton guy? Yes. The Louis Vuitton like, guy put panda on a panda head this head. big. Yes. Okay. He wasn't and, branded enough. I mean, <laughs> and it was just outrageous. I'm like, I've got to capture this. Uh, 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 yeah, and listen, okay. yeah, no, I mean, we're all affected by it. Listen, 
I started doing the post for Mad Creative, right? right? And I'm saying, wow, this is just over and over. So I started posting pictures so I didn't look like I was just pushing Mad Creative. So it has changed my behavior in a way that I don't really, just what you were saying, Wayne. It's like, yeah. okay, and I want to just be pushing Mad Creative, throw up an image, throw up this right, right. group. You, no, you, I, you can become like, it's a system. It's, it is a system. And um, it has its, it has its pathway to whatever you want to consider as a success. And, you know, I, 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 um, I was at a party about uh, three weeks. No, no, two, about two months ago. And I was talking to a 25 a year old. I really should have known better. And I said, I, I was saying to my friend, I said, I, I said, I got my first 10,000 followers. And he, and he goes, to, and then he overheard me. He hears me. He goes, your first 10,000 are always your best. I did lit when, when Layden had like 9,998. Oh, I, I unfollowed him so I could try uh, to do the tab, but I missed the test that somebody got right in front of me. Uh, but I, I want to talk about, I just want to change the topic because we're all doing this for a livelihood you know, for, for making our living to have all those beautiful books behind you. I mean, you, you know, you want to be thriving as opposed to just surviving. Yes. And that takes a lot of it. I mean, I've been doing photography 43 years. The fact that people are still hiring me is unbelievable to me, but I, but I feel the one thing I've done, well, forget the photography. I've innovated it on how I do stuff, you know, in working with other photographers now work with younger photographers and, how do you stay? How do you stay in that thriving mode for yourself, both of you guys? Well, for me, I mean, I did. I've I've done photography, you know, since teenager mostly, but I didn't take it as seriously for, you know, ten fifteen years. I still did it, but film eats your life. Okay, when you're working, when it's a good day to get home at the end of sixteen hours, there's not much time left for anything else not to mention literally no light left okay and like when you're thinking you know i, I need five more minutes sleep you know to it should be someplace at 6 a.m yeah. you're not going to get up you know i'm gonna have to get up at 5 4 30 you don't want to get up at 4 15 to take the pictures you just don't so you know and do I regret it? I regret it on some levels you know not necessarily being taken seriously as a photographer because even though no one saw those images Okay, I mean, I have great images nobody's ever seen. But so how do you find that? Because really, we're all looking for a fairly small audience that will help nurture us and keep us going and keep us so we're making money. I don't know how any other way to say it so that we can thrive, you know, just in our personal life when we're not worried about money, we're not worried about that. I mean, listen, you're the photographer. You're also but, feeling valued. You're right. I mean, money yeah. is feeling valued. Right. How do you feel? How do you keep it so that you keep feeling that value? How do you grow your audience right. so that it gets bigger and, or, or more diversified that, hey, I'm making this much, but I really want to make this much. Uh, How do you make that? Because the audiences that you need are very small, really, when you think about I'll it. I'll answer that in two ways. For me personally, I think two ways is like, I have this community with the Black Artists and Designers Guild, and I get to experiment on spaces that I would not Otherwise, like the city and vir um, virtual house for black families, like mm. that was like a a project I would not have been, not would not, 
I just had all these resources and all this community to do something that wow. I in community. Yeah. And then and and so that's one way of staying thriving um in in um uh conceptually humanitarily you know on a humanitarian level um i love what uh you know and then and then there's this other part where i think i've always felt i was i've, I've always felt like as a superior to everybody else because i was a creative hmm. so i will say that becoming Interestingly enough, becoming more focused on the business part of understanding my value and giving a price tag or valuing it as a commodity is also a creative act for me right now. You know what I mean? I I think I I have to be honest like that. Like they they, like it's like I'm talented. I'm classified. We're all talented here. That's that's classified information. Now, what is the cost? Right. Yeah, exactly. But, exactly. Right. Yeah, and, you know. and the one thing I like talking about is what are your value and what are your values? How do you keep those in line so your values stay in touch with your value? Right. Well, you know, the whole business thing, I'm I'm taking that step now to really do it for a lot of reasons. You know, one is just because I don't want my archives just sitting in drawers and files anymore. Wow. You know, I, I want the time, you know. To, to go through them carefully to curate, you know, myself, mm. all right? I mean, regardless of what somebody else may value. I mentioned growing up on the south side of Chicago. Um, I mean, there wasn't a day of my life that I didn't encounter brilliant people mm. who were working in very menial positions because they had never had any opportunity. Right. Okay, so... so you, know, and, you have a piece of history that no one... Exactly, I mean, you, you can't, like, Put your all your sense of how are my value in someone else's hands. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, I think it's a Yoruba statement. Nobody can insult you without your uh, permission. Particip- yes, your permission. You know, right. so on that level. But in terms of getting the images seen, you know, even if I'm divorced from it, and I think I'm a good photographer. That's it. Occasionally, great. Okay, but even divorced from myself in that equation, these images should be seen. Okay, it's historical documentation. Documentation. Right. You're not saying mm, this is a really amazing, you know, work of art, but just for a time that no longer exists. Right. Okay. For people that you pass by without seeing, that should be seen. Okay. And have to be I mean, seen by you. Yeah. 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 And, this, and my and all I was saying about it was let's get it seen in this lifetime. You know. Where are you? Are you so, um, Kathleen? Right now, are you? I know I'm going to say the word. Are you talking to institutions or gallery? I, I don't no. know what to say. I don't know. No. Right, right. Yeah. I is mean, that is that is that what your is that was the sparkles are happening? Absolutely. The right. next step. The yeah. next step. Yeah. You know, yeah. and looking Lane, and also Lane, doing some stuff on my own. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, even though I mean, of course, I want to be in everyone's great exhibition hall. You know, the main ones because I think the work deserves to be there. Okay, and I don't say that, you know, egotistical. Just just look at the work. Forget me. Look at the work. Okay. Some of this really stands up. Thank God. Okay. But there are other places. I mean, just I would like a storefront. You know, it's very important to me for, you know, I don't want to be the person who takes street photography. You take the street photography and put it in a, you know, Tony gallery 
and right. that person doesn't even feel comfortable and get, going. Get put in a golden cage. Exactly, right. if right. they ever even go there. Uh, okay, just, I mean, the just you know, they they are giving away storefronts these days to artists. That's exactly what I'm looking into. Because you, yeah. you talked about a COVID memorial series. I have also a COVID memorial series. I'm trying to put it exactly where people are seeing. It. And I talked to some people. Like, Why don't you put it in the library? And like it says, nobody goes to the library. Right. No. Okay. Uh, on 86th Street, on uh, like on Amsterdam Avenue, there's three artists who. We're giving storefront because nobody wants retail space. Through the city, like this, the, the city's art. I, I, I could find out and actually get that back to you. That's a yep. very, very good exactly. Yeah, but my, friend Gar- my friend West Gary Lichtenstein. Yeah. Gary Lichtenstein has one. We interviewed him. Remember Lynn? Of course. He of course. he has a storefront, and they just gave yeah. it to him. You know, so those things are being had. Yeah. And so it, it would be interesting to, for you to find that place but i'll see if i can get you know find where he, you have to write to but kathleen did you I, I totally off topic i mean also there's this those uh i think there's a lot of grants and stuff right and i'm i have a grant application due this evening excellent, excellent. Okay. I, know, I, I need we all exactly. need to, we all need to get we all need exactly. to apply for the, the applicable grants but um, that i mean because it's it's you know i i want it for the work itself i want it for the interaction with the community but also because it's, it fills a role. Because the first thing, even on the arts capital of the United States, the first thing that they cut in school budgets is the art budget. Always. Like insane. Insane. Okay. But, insane. you know, that's the thing. You know, let the kid be able to walk down the sidewalk and see it. Right. Okay. Like just going in, let me go in here and see. Let the mother be able to come in with the kids. Let anybody, let the guy yeah. hanging out on the corner. What's this? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're we're going to wind it down a little right now. What haven't you said that you would like to say? All right. Well, piggybacking on arts education, even if you don't intend to become an artist, if you are involved in the process of creating something, can be a hobby. Okay, It, it makes you a better person. But in terms of you know, arts education, in terms of its literal value. You would learn problem solving, okay? The things that you have to go through in terms of finishing a project. Because the way that they, you know, they teach now, the thing that they're thinking is gonna save the educational system where testing is, you know, they're bringing these business concepts into the uh, educational world where the testing is going to measure somebody's progress, gonna measure somebody's stature at the moment. It doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have the multifaceted approach to solving a problem that you need to have. It's like banging the same nail with the hammer over and over again. But if you, you know, if you, in any artistic project that you have at some point, like you mentioned perspective on the 3D models, at some point you're going to have to look at it in a different way. Okay, right. there's, there's no, what art project ever right. just went in a straight line from step one and, to completion. And yeah, well, completion is an interesting thing because what it really is complete. Complete, is it mon- Is it finishing it? Is it monetizing it? You know, completion is the hardest thing for I think most creatives to, to really succeed at. And it really becomes the difference between whether you're striving or thriving in, in this, you know. And, and I really, I'm really a proponent of creatives really just talking to each other to help each other finish their projects and, you know, create, you know, you know, I hate to talk about money, but we're in that state where 
I don't want to see every artist starving. You know, I want them. To- of course, <laughs> I think it's a myth. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's some sort of ideology of of the past, the twentieth century about the starving um, person who who needs to starve in order to communicate his yeah. his or creativity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and Link, not- don't you see don't you see our podcast a little bit as an advocate for creatives? I do. I, I I certainly do. And I mean, I think that um, I think we have to talk about money, to be very honest with you. It was so, it's such a snobbery avoidant thing within the creative world that I think we have, <laughs> no, no, to, yeah. you know what I mean? I think it's a thing that is necessary because it is something to monetize. There's no mm-hmm. question. And uh, I, I get killed over it all the time. No, know? I and 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 you know, and I think um just to give you a little background, Kathleen, um, I uh I came to Ed, Ed and I met at uh, at a networking uh, uh uh organization, and I really had a whole bunch of stories about my own financial, you know, I, I'm literally becoming more financial. I can have the humility to say I'm becoming more financially literate each and every yeah, day yeah. that I actually participate in networks outside of my creative yeah. ones. You know? yeah. So, so that I can, you know, kind of turn, you know, I think it's important for us to encourage each other to also, you know, how do you value yourself? Of course, spiritually, creatively, monetarily. I think that's also a yeah. part, think of a, a balance. No, absolutely. And also I was looking my notes, Creative shift isn't that part of what you have, Ed, in terms of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, consulting no, and lo- helping artists. Yeah, I, I, that's like my my pet project, along with the podcast. Yeah, you know, no, just like, like creative shift like, is the yeah. Sorry. Yeah, like yeah, creative shift is really helping not all not to lose your values, but to find value in your values. That there's no shame in it. You know, get away from the shame and the you know all that stuff and really see that you you should have, you can have a, life, a great life also that yeah. you know and uh and i and i'm not trying to com- com- convince all the world i'm just trying to help some people who, who want to see it that way no but you mentioned shame when i was talking about you know arts education and what it can do for you also how self-doubt can be a tool to move you towards something that you want rather than something you show a shame to have have to deal with that mm-hmm. it paralyzes you and that you have to run in the other direction yeah. running in the other direction well, the you come, will you come back on we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> the three of us need to have another conversation about shame we'll blow oh, yeah. shit up all right, right. <laughs> listen we've all struggled with all those kinds of things 100 percent. no but i mean this can help you and that if you turn to others for help because now when the students are put into such a competitive situation oh yeah competing against each other, competing against their own lower test scores. I mean, it's just, it's not uh, conducive. Oh, I'll tell you about my school experience where, you know, I went to a very integrated school in Mount Vernon, New York, and, you know, just the disparity inside the school was amazing. Yeah. You know, so, but here's my last question. You have a lot of books back there. (laughs) Yeah. Where'd you go to school? For what college or for uh, high, school, high school? College. Where'd you go? To high well, let's see. When the, the order of school: Garden Nursery. Okay. Harvard St. George, Latin School of Chicago, and that's Latin with Greek and Latin, not Latino or wow. Latinx, and Yale. Wow! Wow! 
And uh, what's your favorite book back there? Uh, these yeah. might be End of Valley. Can you see that title? Yeah, yeah. What is it? This, you mentioned, like, this is what he said, artists. This is one of the things I remind you of. This, the MTA sells these cups in their uh, <laughs> souvenir store in uh, Grand Central. I keep it for my water. It's clearly I don't have it in the yeah. My brilliant thing. You freeze your water so you don't have something cool during the nice. day. But the underbelly where they uh, Let's see. do Let's their houses, they paint their own houses. You can with that? No. What is this? Oh, and Develi. No. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know oh, I love those. Right? Just you brilliant. Know, right? Can you see? Um, wow. Okay. I never yeah. even heard of that. Oh, yeah. Wait, we have to do women that more often. Do, when I people bring them with their bookshelves. I'm not so sure <laughs> how these pictures will come out here. But I mean, you know, look at this picture. Wow. Wow. You don't need any additional textiles or your decorating. Oh, exactly. I mean, just wow. Hey. I'm yeah. trying to see if I can find one that's big enough to really be seen. But they, you know, it's one of the places I want to go. By the way, so Kathleen, look at this, Kathleen. Where can we where can we find your work? So on Instagram, it's uh, KathleenCampbellPicks.com, and I'll spell it out. You want to? You didn't get, we didn't get the chance to uh, play the little clip I had put together, but, but my I'm name here, is uh, Kathleen with a C. By, by the way, before you say speak, I wanted to address that statement. Sure. I'm going to, with your bio, post that on oh, great. For, your Perfect. for your episode so Perfect. that your film will be seen. I love it. No, okay. it's, it's so did I spell it out or? Yes, just, please yeah. go ahead. Spell it out. C A T H L E E N C A M P B E L L P I X. And that's at Instagram. Okay, where else? Give us all so of it. CCCPIX.com. That's probably the easier one. That's my website. Those would be like the two places. I'm sorry? Say it again. CC... CCCPIX.com. Okay. Three C's, P-I-X.com. What's, what's the middle C for? Cynthia. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> okay. Very nice. What's your any, middle any name? Show, any show, come out. Any, 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 um places to see you at the moment physically or right now is the physically is living in physically no world? i mean but you know now that the weather is warming up i you know i have no idea but somehow i want to do some stuff that's just outside in new york exhibiting because that's nice. one of the things that also fascinates me too about public art and photography is one of the things that i really do that much with public art they'll either you know they'll put like a, a stand outside right. but i would really yeah. like to be able to experiment how do we? How do yeah. we? I love that. That, that yeah. should be a big sign. Buttons. How do we? How do it we? It should be like a big sign. <laughs> now, you know. Hey, so Lane, where do we get in touch with you? We get to in touch. I am um, Layden L E Y D E N Lewis L E W I S Design Studio. Um, that's on on I, I on IG, and I am Layden L E Y D E N L E W I S dot com for my. Um, design in my interior and I'm interior and architectural design studio. How about Architectural Digest? I yeah. am, I have just been recently published in Architectural Digest in April's issue, April 2023. I'm very proud. So please wow. check me out at ad.com. And you can catch me at edlettermanphoto.com and same thing with Instagram. And I have a little program called Creative Shift. It's edletterman coaching.com.
That's E-D-L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, not two T's. E-D-L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N. Photography, photo or coaching, one or the other. So the, uh, and the coaching one is just open to full-time creatives to really just move their game and forward and really just have four people working together, you know. And mm. by the end of it, they're, like, not listening to me at all. They're talking to each other. And, you know, it's like... It's been pretty. It's been, it's been an interesting ride. Put it that way. And and uh, saying, Kathleen, thank you for leading. joining us. No, thank, thank you so, you so much, much for having me. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to turn off the recording. You'll stay on for a second. Let me see. Record. I love when Ed leans in like that. I, I <laughs> adore it. It's like the cutest thing ever. You know what I mean? How do you turn off record though? No, that's not it. Oh, let me put on my reading glasses. I'm so blind. I'm the blind you, photographer. You to, Ed is not going to edit any of this out. And we <laughs> no, I will. I'm going to edit this part. I'll edit this part <laughs> he out. can send it to me. I can edit it out. If you oh, my God. We need an editor. Here we go. Sound editing and theme music by Will Ainsley. Brian Rezepko was basically our mentor who really taught us all the technicals, showed us how to get this online. We would not be here without Brian. So thank you, Brian. The logo is by Layden Lewis and Sharon McLaughlin of Mermaid New York City. And um, if you're creative, we would love to hear from you. We would love to, to email us your story. And if we like it, we would love to have you on. And we are looking for creatives to tell their story what their challenges are, what they love about working in the creative field, what is working for them. Um, so until next time, I hope you guys listen. This podcast is for you. Thanks. <laughs>